It's the All Things Strange Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent Anderson. Agent Ether. Agent... Oh, Agent ETA. <laughs> Come along for a spooky power hour. Are you going to release this one on Halloween? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I think it's a Tuesday. When do you normally release? Mondays. Oh, but that would work out. We're actually a few ahead. So I think if I release this, it'll actually come out after Halloween. So maybe I'll release it early. I'm not yeah. sure. But um, yeah, so that that's a... Oh, Bugnas says, I'm spooked already. Yes, we were planning on doing the <laughs> 2008 Stephenville UFO sighting, which is a really, really good sighting that's similar to... Um, the Phoenix lights in some ways, but I got stuck taking one of the junior agents in to the doctor all day. He was complaining of a, uh, abdominal pain. So we wanted to make sure it was not like appendicitis or something like that. And, you know, if you go to the ER in California, you will be there for a very long time. So I didn't have time to do any notes whatsoever. So we're going to do that one next week. And this week we'll do a spooky power hour. Cause it turns out taking notes on stuff that might not be real a little bit easier <laughs> than than taking notes on a sighting that was seen by hundreds, if not thousands of people. A little bit more complicated of a case. So Where you got to like dig through the files yeah. and look for witness accounts. Yeah, I just did not have time for it. I could have done like a very, very quick like Wikipedia version, but I was like, I don't know, dude. This is such a great case. I don't want to do a quick old little, little, little uh, Wikipedia version. I wanted to do it justice because it's a really good one. Chosen yeah. by our Patreon subscribers we've got three tiers the introductory tier will get you early access and after hours the middle tier will get you bonus episodes and the top tier will get you um the ability to vote on upcoming topics this week was supposed to be the 2008 stephenville sighting but unfortunately you know life happened as it does sometimes so that's going to be next week but anyways, thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. And if you're not supporting us on Patreon, what are you doing with your life? Come on. No, I'm just kidding. Or am I? I don't know. Anyways, let's get to it. The Spooky Power Hour. So we're each going to present some spookiness, as the case may be. I've got a couple that are fun, and I'm sure Agent Ether does. She wouldn't even tell me what she was doing. <laughs> but I don't know. Who wants to start? I guess I'll go first, because my first one is... uh. Since, you know, silence, the silence was deafening. Um, my first one is pretty short, so I will go with it. All right. I am talking about an area in England called Dartmoor. And Dartmoor is an upland area in southern Devon, southwestern England. It has a total population of 33,000 and has a bunch of really small towns with just like a couple of hundred people, like really, really small towns, some of these some of the towns are named things like Buckfastley and Morton Hampstead and Chagford. You know, your typical English names. <laughs> I just like those names. Those are fun. It's a popular tourist destination and it's a very beautiful area. If you ever look into some pictures or anything, you're definitely going to want to visit there. It's really cool looking. This area, I, I was, it, the first story I'm going to talk about is what drew my attention to the area. But when I looked into it a little bit more, I found out there's actually a lot of stuff going on here as far as the paranormal, like a ton of stuff. For example, the area has pixies, 
spectral hounds or hellhounds, a headless horseman, a large black dog, and um, apparently the devil was even vacationing there once or twice. There's a lot the more devil? to it. The, the devil, Bobby Boucher. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot more than that. There's a ton, a ton of stuff in the area. It was actually the inspiration for the Hounds of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was staying in the area when he wrote it, apparently. Excellent so, story. There's just so much really cool lore to the area. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, I think. Yeah, the original story is really good. And then they've remade it like a couple times. It's been on television and it was uh, in the new Sherlock that they had on the BBC. And they they changed it up a bit, but I still thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a really fun story. I guess that was the first story that he wrote to resurrect um, Sherlock Holmes. I don't think that's true. I don't know. I read it on the <laughs> internet, so it must be true. <laughs> the first story Obviously. when he resurrected yeah. him was he uh, shocked Watson by coming back. He was like wearing, um, you know, a costume, basically. He was out and he looked like a beggar or something. And he came up and he he removed his his facial mask and... And Watson fainted, and that's how he revealed that that he'd come back. And then there's this whole thing where uh, Moriarty's gang is after him, and they have to, like, hide, and there's, like, a shootout. I don't know. I, it's been a while since I read it, but that wasn't the first mystery. I don't know. Sounds like fake news to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, when it's, I was younger, I, I loved the the books, though. I yeah. Really did. They're a lot of—they're hit and miss, but overall, they're pretty hit. They're really fun. There's a couple. I don't know. Of call them. me, call me Dan Aykroyd. I believe it all. <laughs> that it was the first and the second story back at the same time, <laughs> simultaneously. There's a couple of them that I thought were a little, a little slow, but overall, they were. There's some really fun ones, like the the one with the redheaded guys. The redheaded league. Yeah, you remember that one? Yeah, that one was fun. I don't know. There's a bunch of them, but anyways, let's get to the spooky stories of the Dartmoor. All right, now this is the story that caught my attention, and I thought, I have to do this. So Before, uh, like yesterday when I was looking at it, um, I was planning on just doing it as like a little short little five or ten minute blurb and just releasing it onto the normal feed as like a little Halloween bonus blurb because I wasn't sure where I was going to fit it in. It's not a long story, but it's a really fun story. I really enjoyed it. But now that we're doing a power hour, it's perfect. Perfect for a power hour. All right, here we go. I'm going to hit my music cue. The Hairy Hands of Dartmoor. This story takes place in a remote area near Postbridge on the road B3212. I guess that's how they name stuff over there. Starting in the early 1900s, an unusual number of vehicle accidents occurred in the area. Cars would mysteriously be run off the road. Surviving victims reported a pair of disembodied hands that appear out of nowhere and grab the steering wheel or handlebars for a motorcycle, taking control and jerking to the side forcing the vehicle to crash on the side of the road. Some witnesses said that the hands were invisible 
others reported burly, hairy male hands. This happened exclusively on the road between Post Bridge and Two Bridges. While most of the victims survived, some of them did not. The legend of the hairy hands was not well known until a series of events beginning in 1921, when E.H. Helby lost control of his motorcycle and crashed and died. He was a medical officer at the Dartmoor prison and was transporting the prison governor's two daughters in a sidecar on his motorcycle. Luckily, the two girls survived. A few weeks later, a coach driver lost control, crashing and injuring several passengers. On August 25, 1921, an army captain was driving his motorcycle on the road when the invisible hands took control and Corestrum off the road. This story was picked up by newspapers in London and became a national story. Some people even saw the hands while camping. One woman camping in the moor saw a hairy hand trying to gain access to her caravan during the night. She made the sign of the cross and the hand went away. No one knows where the hands came from or why they want to harm people. Some speculate that perhaps they are from the vengeful spirit of a crash victim on the road. All right, and that is <laughs> the hairy hands of the Dartmoor. I was trying so hard not to laugh the whole time. <laughs> hey, this is real, man. I know. People driving in Dartmoor have hairy hands take control of their vehicle and throw them off the road. <laughs> Maybe a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Disembodied, invisible Sasquatch, except for the hands. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I had to do that one. It was so good. I love it. All right. Should we move on to you, Agent Ether? Yeah, sure. I was okay. just thinking about... Do you want some music? No, not yet. Oh, I'm not okay. doing my topic yet. I was going to yabber on about how my friend, my bestie, is going to throw a party for Halloween the Saturday before Halloween, and I'm like super excited. And Agent Anderson has actually been tasked with, uh, what is it? You're going to make scientific brew or something? Yeah, she's got this setup where she gets dry ice in like, I don't know, bubbles or something? Yeah, and then, that's what it is. And then you have like a tube hooked up to some water with dry ice in it. And then it makes like these really big bubbles with like this mist inside of them. And it's like really super cool. And she, the way she does the formulation of it, you can actually hold the bubbles. Like, they don't pop right away. It's really pretty cool. So he's going to be Are a mad... Are you going to scientifically spike gonna, it with something special? No, he's going to be a mad scientist, though. A scientist. He got a lab coat oh. and glasses. And Did I gotta, you get the button up yet? Yeah, I went to... Um, I went to the store and I got just a plain white button-up shirt to go under the lab coat. And I got a black tie with a chemical symbol on it. That's the <laughs> the chemical symbol for caffeine. So it's super nerdy. And I got you some... You would be great. I got some fake nerdy glasses too. So it's going to be awesome. What's that, Agent ETA? What would, be, what would be great is if you get like one of those, uh, like like a, a wig, like a Rick and Morty wig or a Rick wig. Oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't... I don't. Oh, wait. No, that's... um. 
Wait, wait, no, that's uh, I don't know, Rick. That's, that's Morty. That's Morty. Yeah, I, I did the that wrong. Awesome. I did the wrong character there, in the right voice. I don't know. But then later <laughs> we're gonna have girly themed Halloween cocktails, which I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> the whole I was just like cocktails. Uh, that'll be fun. I am there. Do they come in syringes or blood bags? I don't know what the plan is. I just know we're going to have a good time. Yeah, sounds like fun. Okay, let me get my notes. I can be your designated driver if you'd like. I, I know, but now we have Uber. It's just so convenient. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Uber me from point A to point B. All right, did you want to cue some music? Of course I want to cue some music. I know you do. I spent like three minutes putting it on there. <laughs> come on. Just for the first like couple minutes, though. Okay, I'll tell you what. What? I'll just put it on. And then it's set to loop, so it'll just keep going. And then <laughs> you signal me when you want me to stop it, and I'll fade it out slowly. Here, I'll signal you like this. Okay, that works. Too I'm bad. pretending to be in a hangman's noose. Too bad we're not doing the um, video <laughs> the version. Of the, yeah. <laughs> All right, which one should I choose? Okay, this one. Okay, here we go. Ready? Go. Here we go. Dudley Town, Connecticut. An abandoned settlement. Ghost town or an empty town? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, it's located in a valley known as the Dark Entry Forest in the northwestern Connecticut in the United States. The site is not open to the public. And the question that some have is why? So you have this old town, and it was first settled in the 1700s. Uh, very quickly, uh, the settlement grew, and one of the families that moved there was the Dudleys. You're a Dudley. <laughs> like from Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, okay. And there's all sorts of, you know, lore about the history of this place. Everything from um, suicides to famine to crops being ruined. But the interesting thing is uh, with the modern day history, looking back at all of this, um, you're not allowed to go there. Hmm. It's it's like private and closed off, and there's a dark forest association that patrols and make sure to make sure no one's going there. That's weird. It is weird because it's just it's just an abandoned town. It's just a ghost town, and they have like no trespassing signs. And a lot of times, if anybody sees you, like neighboring areas, if they even see people going there, they call the police, and the police will fine or arrest you. Wow. Yeah, so they do have some owls, and so there's some conservationists. They're not even, like, endangered or anything, and, they're, and basically the conservationists are like, well, you know, there's creatures in the forest, so we, we're going to go ahead, and because of the birds in the area, we're going to kind of quarantine it. And the question is, why would you do that? People aren't allowed to go there. You would think they would, like open it up to tourists and kind of take some of the mystery out of it instead of closing it off like that. Because then, personally, that makes me want to go. Mm -hmm. Now, apparently, it's kind of hard to get to. A lot of people will hike in and out to get to it. So you probably have to go around like a secret way. Yeah. So you don't get caught. 
I'm assuming people do, but when I looked online, there weren't a lot of descriptions of people who had been. A lot of people said they wanted to go, but especially people from the area said that um, they didn't. They were too scared to go. Dude, that is super creepy that they don't want you to go. Yeah. Well, a lot of nature preserves are are open to the public. They're not. They're not closed. So... That's kind of interesting, right? That Yeah, that's really weird. Let's see. It says here, this was written back in 2001, and it was a release um, for the last few years, and it said they'd been summoned 79 times to the dark entry forest, resulting in arrests for criminal trespass, disorderly conduct, illegal parking, and littering. So, Well, I guess that would make sense if people go there to party and leave a mess. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. Do they have some way that you can, like, get permission to go tour there? No, somebody asked for permission, like, for a license or something, and they were denied. Wow, so they just don't love anybody ever at all. Okay, that's weird. Uh, So, I mean, (laughs) so some people would say, well, they just don't want, you know, teenagers going and partying. They don't want a bunch of people coming and doing, like, videography. Some say the Blair Witch Project was inspired by this area. Interesting. So maybe they just are trying to, you know, keep that sort of image away from this area. Yeah, they don't they don't want none of that Blair Witch riffraff coming around. Yeah. I mean, in general though, before before it became a ghost town, life was pretty, you know, ordinary. But um, the land was okay, but the the roads were kind of poor. It was definitely a poor area. And it was mostly farming. It was kind of remote. And people, you know, they lived nearby and they built new homes. But mostly it was a small community. It was never, it was never a big community. Some say that it was initially um, Native American land. And it was taken over by colonists, as is the case, you know, in... In America, there was a Cherokee leader. He attended boarding school in Cornwall. And in 1839, he was stabbed to death. So there's been a lot of rumors about, you know, hauntings and that sort of thing. There, it was said that uh, an English nobleman was beheaded during the reign of Henry VIII. And from that moment on, the Dudley family was placed under a curse which followed them from the Atlantic to Americas. And that curse was blamed on everything from the crop feral... I can't talk. Feral crops? The crop failures to mental illness to violent deaths in the village. Ah. So it's a curse they were descent, yeah, because they were descended from an Englishman that was beheaded for treason. So the whole family became cursed. It followed them to Dudley Town, and then it kind of spread to the people around them. Well, here's the most mysterious like a thing of all. Effect. What? If he was beheaded, how did he have any children? <laughs> <laughs> you know what is. <laughs> you know what's really spooky is I heard when they behead you like on a guillotine, you're still like alive. Yeah, for like 
30 seconds or something. And you're like yeah. looking around and. Ooh, ooh, can you hear me? Yeah. Put my head back on you, son of a bitch. <laughs> so Holy in, crap. So in Dudley Town, there was a series of unfortunate events. There was an epidemic in 1774 that killed a whole family. There was a family who was kidnapped in the town and brought to Canada um, someone was struck by lightning in 1804. Horace Greatly lived there, and he was actually running for president, but his wife committed suicide, and he lost the race. And then there's a husband who set fire to his house after his wife died, and then his children disappeared into the woods and were never seen again. Ooh, very spooky. So it's completely deserted. And one local um, urban legend has it that if you go to this area, you won't hear any birds in the forest. I don't, yeah, uh, you know, some people say that's not true, but that's just a local urban legend. And people describe going here and they say like, there's no lights and you're in the middle of the forest. So it's just super dark, super quiet, very hard to get to and spooky. And when it's dark, it's always feels creepy. Like there's a couple walkways in this neighborhood that just kind of go through some back areas where it's not really well lit. And if you go there at night and you're just walking around, dude, you're just surrounded by houses, but it still feels creepy. You got like all these trees silhouetted by the night sky and stuff. I don't know. I've actually always loved the nighttime. Oh, yeah. Like, even more than the day. There's just, well, there's just something about getting out and walking in the dark and all the stars are out. And it's it's crisp and cold, especially not in the summer where your nights are hot, but like when it's crisp and cold and dark. I don't know. It's just refreshing to me. The only time I get spooked out, actually, is when there's fog. Fog kind of spooks me out. Oh, yeah, because you can't see anything if it's I, thick enough. I used to drive, so this is the worst. I used I have terrible nighttime vision, and I would have to drive over a hill from Napa to Sonoma, very windy curves, road just kind of drops off on one side. On the other side, it's just a tall you know, hillside where rocks will occasionally come down. It would be dark, raining, foggy, and I'd be trying to drive in these conditions. Just, just terrible. Talk about spooky. I would be freaked out the whole time, like my hands gripping the steering wheel. I hated that drive. And that's only that's only in winter. You know, that was definitely a winter winter drive because it would get dark so, so early. And there'd be people behind me tailgating me, probably wondering why the hell I was going so slow. And there's nowhere to turn out. And there's no there's no turnouts. There's no turnouts. So you just have to you have to keep going and my heart would be like beating in my chest. <laughs> I'd be so worried. I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. I did that drive. I did that drive for, I think, seven years. Seven years. And so I knew the roads pretty well. But like I said, there's just something about the combination of those conditions, which made it really difficult, especially because occasionally like a deer would dart out in the middle of the road or something. So that reminds me, you know, I when I was a teenager, I think I was about Agent Redacted's age, I was 
I was inside, and it was just an ordinary sunny day out, and I looked outside my window, and it looked foggy. And I was like, huh, that's that's weird. I thought it was an ordinary day. Is, is there rain coming in? So I went outside, and I peeked out my front door, and it was just an ordinary sunny day. Weird. And I went back and so looked was, out my... there was no fog. You no, know, when I went back and looked out my window, and it was clear. Weird. It was really weird. And then, and then I'm like, oh, it must have been my imagination. Like, I just dismissed it because yeah. there's no explanation. Like, how is that possible? Well, if it was water condensation on the window, which is possible to look like fog, it wouldn't have cleared up that quickly. No, no, it would not have. And I and I remember staring through the window, just like looking and looking and my mind trying to like wrap itself around the fact, you know, of what I was seeing. Kind of like Weird. Stephen King's The Mist or something, you know, very... Very spooky personal experience. Did you have, did you like see stuff moving out there? No, nothing, nothing moving. And again, you know, I just dismissed it. Like maybe, like even to this day, I'm like, did I really see that? Is that really what happened? Swear I wasn't on drugs or anything. It was just a weird experience. Maybe your house was momentarily transported to a different dimension. dimension. Maybe it was an apartment. So it'd be the whole apartment complex or something. That was a pretty nice apartment complex. Yeah, yeah, actually it was. It was the nicest one I'd lived in. Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> all right, where were we? That was, uh, I think Oh, we... that was, yeah. So that was all my notes on uh, uh, Dudley Town. I also was researching, I wanted to do just in general urban legends, and then I kind of got into spooky places around the United States, but there were so many. There's yeah. so many spooky places around the United States. Yeah. I did run across one story, which I'd never heard before. Have you heard of the Bunny Man? The Bunny Man? Yeah. Nope. Yes. Yes, I have. Actually. You have? Yeah. Okay. So he dresses up <laughs> on Halloween and goes around and skins rabbits and hangs them on the Bunny Bridge. Okay. I, I don't know. It's just, it was a really short blip I found, and I'd never heard of the bunny man before. Do Weird. you know anything about else about it, Agent ETA? I mean, not much more than that. It's just, I remember hearing about it and like uh, hearing, I, I watched this like YouTube video. It was, it was one of those YouTube videos where you have like these channels that like uh, talk just about like paranormal events or what have you. And like uh, it talked about like like yeah people like driving across this bridge and like the bunny man would be right there and they would see it either they would stop and like reverse and go back the other way or they would just like pass by it and like but it wasn't much more than that though they would just you know claim to have seen this this entity you know yeah there Weird. were there were a lot of places too associated with bridge crossings. So people crossing a bridge where a couple had driven off and drowned, for example. In one place, it said that if you looked over your shoulder while you were driving over the bridge about halfway through, out of the corner of your eye, you would be, uh, you'd see the flames of hell. Ooh. And I think that one was Hell's huh. Gate. And Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I saw one that wasn't a place specifically, but 
So I did this week for the bonus episode, I did the Dark Watchers, which is actually in Central California. We should go hiking there and see if we can find them. But the Dark Watchers is the bonus episode, but there are very similar things all over the world. One of them was like this black stick man that is like this two-dimensional stick figure. And then there's something similar to that in Aboriginal legends called the Mimis, M-I-M-I-S. And these are sort of like little beings that look or like stick likes, like they're built out of sticks. They're so they're so thin that they hide in the cracks of the walls when it's windy, so they don't get blown apart by the wind. And the they so they supposedly these are the creatures that taught the Aboriginals how to paint caves. So it's, interesting. It suggests like this this intelligent spirit that it's not like a spirit that's spooky. It's apparently like an intelligent being that taught the aboriginals something which suggests that the aboriginals uh, maybe encountered like an older culture of some kind if you want to take it literally but either way it's like it was just like a really fascinating story that i just sort of ran into when i was looking into other stuff so when you go down the rabbit hole of looking that looking at all of these local areas and like what what the legends are in that area you find some like really cool stuff there's a Doctor Who story about two-dimensional beings that come in and they invade Earth, and then they learn how to become three-dimensional through the course of the episode. And, of course, the team has to figure out how to defeat it. Was it a good episode? Um, it was okay. I liked parts of it more than, than other parts because they would capture people and make those people two-dimensional, and then their paintings would be, like, on a wall. And mm. I didn't like that part. I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. The Doctor Who's hit and miss for me. Yeah. I'm, some people love the show. I like some episodes. Some episodes are better than others. I'm very excited about the return of Doctor Who in November. But that's not very spooky. That's just awesome. It could be spooky. It probably won't be, though. There's like those statue things. What statue? Oh, the the Weeping Angels. Those are pretty spooky. Yeah, that's true. There, and, there are and, spooky episodes. You're right, and also silly at the same time, but spooky. <laughs> yeah, those are. That's almost like red light, green light. Yeah, the ultimate red light, green light champions, the if weeping you, angels. If you lose, you die. Yeah, if you turn around, then they come towards you, and eventually they suck off your energy and send you back in time. Yeah, or if you even like blink, if your if your eyes are closed, then they can move. But if somebody's looking at them, then they can't move. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's done better in the show than what I'm describing. <laughs> Red light, green light. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird one. But all right, so that's all you had, Agent Ether? Um, yeah, yeah, that is that is what I had today. All right. I got a couple more. I'll, I think I'll just, just do one more of these here that from the... From the area that I, the Dartmoor area that I've been talking about, there, dude, there's so much on this area. You could do several episodes on all the legends and things going on here, if you wanted to easily. But all right, here we go. Jay's grave. This is a haunted site in Dartmoor. It's apparently the resting place of a suicide victim that died in the late 1700s. The Dartmoor author Beatrice Chase wrote about it in her 1914 novel, The Heart of the Moor, and claimed in a prefixed publisher's note 
that the events it describes are true. Near a plantation, a little off the roadside, upon a turfy bank, I found the semblance of a rude grave. It was a narrow ridge raised above the surrounding turf with irregular stones along its edges and at the head an upright hunk, upright hunk of granite. Going nearer, I found that unknown hands had placed upon it a rough cross of ducky flowers which lay limp and dying in the sunshine. Because there is no inscription on the grave, she sets out to discover whose it might be. After asking several locals and searching maps and guidebooks without success, she eventually finds that Granny Conter knows the story. Yes, miss. It be a grave, sure enough. Jay's grave tis called. No, I can't tell ye how tis spelt, for I never couldn't spell. Mary Jay was the poor maid's name. I heard my mother tell of it when I was a little maid. It happened when her was a little maid herself. Her could just mind hearing tell of it. Tis a suicide's grave, miss. Her was an orphan from the workhouse, apprenticed to Bearcott Farm between Manhattan and Heatree. One day, when her was quite young, her took the rope and went to the barn there on the Manton Road and hanged herself from a beam. Her was quite dead when the farmer found her. Us reckoned twas the same old story. Miss a young man who wasn't no good to her, poor maid. Some say you can see her ghost to this day, haunting the crossroads at night. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Love I loved your impersonation of old granny. Yeah, old granny. So this is actually a real thing. You could go, it's there. It's like right on a crossroads, like in the middle of a road, pretty much. There's a friggin' grave. You can, I mean, tour buses tour it regularly these days. And there are any number of legends attributed to it. Nobody really knows for sure what the exact story is. But the oldest story that we can find, that's is not the one I read, but the old that's just one I thought was fun. But the oldest story we can find does say that it is a suicide victim and that they didn't want to bury her with the normal people because I guess um in some parts of Christianity, suicide is frowned upon. And you're, if you commit suicide, you're not allowed to be buried with everybody else. I'm not really sure about. You the also don't go to heaven in, yeah. in some sects of Christianity. So because of that, they buried her in the middle of the road because she was a suicide person. But it's, I mean, it's supposed to be a haunted area and it's a gravestone in the middle of the road. And you can go there today and see it. You can look up pictures online, but if you're if you're brave enough, you can visit it in person. I think old graveyards are really interesting historically. At midnight. Our first date was at a graveyard. At the crossroads. 25 years ago, Agent Anderson and I went on a date to a graveyard. I'm not that old. 25 years ago. 
It's creepy. I don't actually find graveyards creepy or spooky. I but find I find them interesting. Spooky. No, I I think it's really cool to to see the dates on on the gravestones and when you know the people next to each other are family and you just think about um you know their lives and how they they grew old together or just generations you know who who lived one after the other. Super spooky. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all we got for you this time. Uh, there's a lot more from Dartmoor, and there's even some from uh, the dartmoor.gov.uk has a whole section on local legends. So you know that they're 100% true because it's on the government's website, right? For example, there was the one I mentioned, the devil earlier. There's a Wildecombe church which was built, I don't know, like in the 1400s. And their lightning struck it in, in uh, 1638. And people say that, well, the lightning struck one of the towers and the tower fell down and killed some people. This is the short, short, short version of the story. But and people say that the devil did that to get somebody in the congregation at the church. There's a sermon going on at the time to get somebody in the congregation who was a, an adulterer and a gambler or something like that. I don't know. That's the short, short version, but, but yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting stories for the area, but maybe save those for another time. And I guess, I guess that's all we got for you this time. And, uh, well, actually, before we get out of here, I did want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon subscribers because we've got a couple of new members here and I wanted to just shout them out. Let's see, where do I even find that membership page? Excellent. Okay, so we don't have a huge number of Patreon subscribers, so let's go ahead. I'll just shout them all out right now. So we got uh, Devin Escalante, Lee Nugent, uh, Crack Slappin' Sack Tractor. <laughs> oh, I love that name, dude. That's amazing. That is an, that is an epic name right there. <laughs> Crack Slappin' Sack Tractor, Dennis Sorensen, Crokey, Eweb555, uh, Stephen Barton, Sarah Jurgensen, Dick Cheese McGee, Virginia Mailman, Ozzy Meemaw, Day One Comics, Rune Ali Christensen, and Diamond. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And keep it strange. <laughs>